The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I am your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for joining us on this fine Wednesday morning. I can actually see the sun trying to poke through the clouds as we speak, so I'm feeling good. Uh, we have with us right now um, Andrew McKeon, and I'm very, very thrilled to, to have him with us today. Um, he is uh, a sought-after advisor and speaker to corporations and universities and the founder of Business Climate. And he speaks uh, on the need for change in corporate management to accomplish a sustainable economy in the 21st century. And he'll explain much more, but uh, welcome, Andrew. Hi, Chrissy. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Great. It's uh, we're, we're seeing the sun trying to peek through here down in New York too. So uh, oh, good. I'll tell yeah. you, it makes a difference. It's really foggy here today, so it's uh, it's really nice. I'm like, oh, I see it coming through. I see it. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I think by the afternoon we'll be uh, we'll be in the sun. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm. Th- thrilled that you're here to talk to us. Um, you, you know, it's always fun. Whenever I see you, I've seen you a couple times now at conferences and we've, we've always gone by, you know, and said hi to each other and ended up talking for 20 minutes, 25 minutes about stuff. And, and there's just so much to say. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking, you know, forward to the, to my audience hearing more about what you're doing in your world and, and the difference that you're making. Why don't we start with, uh, with who you are and, and mm-hmm. where, where did you come from and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the, it's a pleasure to be on this show and, and just the yeah. title of your program, Nature of Business, is so aligned with sort of uh, uh, the kind of advice that I give to corporations that environmental strategy isn't an add-on to business strategy, but it's actually fundamentally uh, at the core of a smart long-term business strategy. So that, I think that's the reason why we end up talking for so long, because yeah. our ideas are so well aligned. And I came to this... Um, you know, I'm a, trained as an engineer way, way back. Uh, you know, when I when I went to school, I studied engineering, and and got a, a master's from Columbia in, in, in mechanical engineering. So I've always been a systems thinker, and I worked as a systems engineer at Bell Laboratories. So always taking sort of the big picture and sort of seeing the connections between various parts of uh, of the project that we were putting together, and. I went on to get an MBA at Columbia and started looking at businesses from a systems perspective and had a great, great, great experience at Columbia uh, in terms of the contrast of message from one course to another. And I remember in one course we were being taught uh, how to do a leverage buyout. And it was basically, you know, buy the company with a lot of debt, basically take out everything you can that's going to cost you anything in the short term and then sell it off in like a year and a half and leave a shell, you know, basically leaving a shell behind. And that was one philosophy that you, you were taught in business school. And then I took this course from someone named W. Edwards Deming, who is a giant management thinking in the 20th century, long overlooked until, you know, the 1980s when everyone thought Japan was going to be taking over the world. But Japan basically said, well, we all we learned this all from W. Edwards Deming, this American statistician that you, know, that you guys never heard of. So he sort of came out of the wilderness and into great fame. And then by the night he was in and going to business schools and, and taking this idea of uh, seeing businesses as systems and putting that into uh, sort of the curriculum at business schools. And he said, it was my job is to unteach half of what you've learned here at business school and, 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 and 
and get you thinking about business as a systems. And so that that was to really the the foundation for me to then look at uh, sustainability and and to work with businesses on sustainability. And I really do think sustainability is about you know thinking in systems and seeing businesses as systems. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how I've come to this. So how is that being how is that being received? So when you're you're you know it says that you've done work with NASA, uh, you know obviously a bunch of businesses. One we just spoke about last last week. What are you finding? How are people receiving this information? Because this is stuff that's out there that people really need to relearn. Yeah, absolutely. It is about relearning. It's about. Um, it's about valuing uh, different parts of the business. And I think, you know, we've seen this in the environment where if we don't pay attention to, to what's going on, thing, things are happening that can be very dangerous for the long term. And we're seeing it, you know, in the economy and in the financial sector. I mean, I think, you know, the lessons of 2008 are still being learned, but they're really about uh, we've got to stop all this, you know, manage what you measure and measure what you manage thinking. Uh, if, well, I shouldn't say stop it because I do think measuring outcomes is important, but I think what it really needs to be sort of blended with much more substantially is understanding, uh, you know, the interdependencies and interconnections and systems. And if we if we did that in the financial sector, you know, before 2008, we might not have you know, come to the abyss, the edge of the abyss as we did. So, right. so in terms of how it's being received, I think there is a bigger audience for a message that says that, um you know, it's not all about, you know, what your outcome is this quarter or, or even this year. It's also about the foundation of your business and where is it going. And I think that companies are realizing that sustainability, is, it's a way of talking about that. It's also a way of seeing a business, you know, stay, uh, you know, in business and, and thrive. I mean, it's ultimately what sustainability is about is, is sticking around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that that is appealing to 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 a lot of businesses, and you know, in the recent event that uh, you know, we were at together the uh, Sustainable Operations Summit, I think that uh, you know you you could see there that there is a uh, you know a lot of corporations, a lot of uh, very senior people there, um, you know, interested in in these ideas and and incorporating them. Right. So right. I definitely, and I definitely find that to be the case. Yeah, and so let's so. For just for the sake of the audience, you know, just trying to understand how this works, you you go into a company and you, um, who, to whom do you speak? Do you go and speak with the 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 sweet, uh, C-suite people, or do you do you do you hold um, you know a general meeting of of top management to try to talk to them about what their priorities? Because obviously each company is different. So right. how are you? What's the fundamentals here? Well, it depends on where the, where the company is in terms of its uh, if its readiness for the message. I've gone into companies where uh, I went in to talk to the CEO about their business and about. I mean, they're looking for opportunities as well as reducing risks. And uh, so, what they will do is ask me to come in and 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 look at their business and see if there are opportunities, whether uh, it's opportunities in you know reducing carbon and being a part of. You know, I guess two or three years ago, there was a, a thinking that we would have a you know, price on carbon in the U.S., and then therefore there would be opportunities for companies to be looking.
looking at their carbon footprint as an opportunity to participate in those markets. So that, that mm-hmm. you know, that isn't happening as much now, but it doesn't mean that it isn't going to, you know, come back in, in a year or two, depending on, on where we go, because eventually this issue will have to be addressed. So, so sometimes it's at the very top level. Other times it can be at, uh, at a level where a company's already uh, decided to make a strategic commitment to sustainability, but then it becomes uh, how do we actually, uh, you know, maybe get our employees involved in this. This would be one aspect. Or mm-hmm. uh, bring other stakeholders into it, into, you know, members of the community. Uh, right now I'm looking at an opportunity with uh, uh, working with a large bank on employee engagement. And, again, all of this is con- must be connected to uh, the overall strategy of the company. It can't be, again, one of these add-ons that you do because, you know, you want to have a reputation. It has to be fundamentally core to the, to the strategy, and I think that's that's where uh, we always come at it. At, right. You know, environmental strategy is business strategy. Right. So, so, so to so, answer your question, it can vary depending on where the company is in its uh, sort of uh, path. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of like a CEO and the uphill battle that that, that companies have to report quarterly and how mm-hmm. this can be a real serious deterrent to actually taking a systems approach, which is ultimately going to take much longer. How do they, how do they actually reconcile this in terms of what, you know, what, even when they're working with you or just with, you know, within their own management team where they're saying, okay, we need to actually think outside the box here and think in a systems manner that's not going to translate into, you know, numbers quarterly. Right. How do they reconcile well, I mean- that? Some, well, depend, again, depending on where they are, uh, there there can be a lot of opportunities to actually make the numbers look, make the numbers, and uh, sort of you know, doing the right thing is uh, is good for business too, sort of thing. Especially if it comes to reducing waste, so that becomes an opportunity. Uh, things like reducing waste become an opportunity to to get into the sustainability mindset and actually show returns for that. Mm-hmm. So, so I do think there is that opportunity. But in terms of how the, the CEO um, gets that done, you know, that is a problem. I think that if you look at, you know, transformational change in organizations where sustainability has been, you know, at the core of that, uh, often it comes from companies where the CEO has been a visionary and had the power to say, you know what, we're doing this. Even though it doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, we're going to do it. And, you know, of course, Ray Anderson of Interface uh, Carpet being the great example of that, where his own board thought, you know, he's sort of gone off the wheels, <laughs> right. wanting, to, wanting to turn a company that was so uh, sort of environmentally devastating to one that he said will actually be restorative to the natural environment. I mean, this, this was unheard of when he started this journey in the mid-90s. And he transformed his industry as a result of it. But he mm-hmm. really could only do it because he had control uh, of the company and control of the board and that sort of thing. So you, you're right. Publicly traded companies do have that big uh, – leaders of publicly traded companies have that problem where, uh, you know, they've got to find a way to do this. And, you know, we've heard – I've heard a lot of an a- analysts say that, uh, you know, you have a 28-year-old Wall Street analyst making the determination of what a, you know, 55-year-old CE, CEO can do strategically because right. they're looking at, you know, those quarterly numbers. So it's a challenge, but it doesn't mean that uh, with the right with the right message and the right 
leadership that uh, companies uh, you know can't move in this direction in a in a in a, in a very substantial way. But you're right. I mean, this isn't part of the you know sort of the core message coming out of the main business schools yet. It, it's starting to, and it's you know one of the things uh, I wanted to bring up was this uh, Harvard uh, Business School has this U.S. competitiveness project going on, and they're really not addressing sustainability as part of understanding how. Uh, the U.S. has become, can, you know, maintain or become more competitive in, in world markets, which mm-hmm. to me is very surprising. I, I attended this event at uh, uh, at Alice Tully Hall in New York, where they invited all these uh, MBAs from, you know, 1960 to 2010. They invited all sort of the MBA classes in to hear this message about sort of the uh, very compelling uh, issues around U.S. competitiveness and how it's not good and that we have to change. And what's interesting is a lot of, of what they say around that change, like they say, you know, companies have to think less about what's good for them in the short term and think more about what's good for the community and for, you know, the economy as a whole in the long term. <laughs> so they are starting to talk this way. But what they're not talking about are things like, well, certainly we're talking about climate change or carbon or 3 billion people coming out of poverty over the next 30 to 40 years and the demands on resources that that's going to you know, uh, imply. They're not talking right. about that. And I think if they're not talking about that, they're not going to understand that if you want to be competitive in the 21st century and you don't understand sustainability, you're not going to be. So, why, tell that, me why they're not talking about it. I read, I, you know, I've, you sent me the link and I, and I got on right. the site and I was very surprised that there was really nothing about that. Why is that? Is it so taboo still? I don't think it's taboo, but um, I just don't think the the minds are there yet. I mean, they're changing. I mean, Michael Porter, for example, has changed a lot. You know, he's sort of, you know, if you go to business school, 20 years ago, if you went to business school, you had to read his strategy book, and it was about the five levers, you know, that a CEO has at his disposal to, to or her disposal, but back then it was mostly his. But anyway, the five levers that they have to, you know, to make change in the organization. Never talked about how those levers are connected in any way or the fact that, uh, you know, you really shouldn't be maximizing each of those without understanding the implications on the others. Now he's come to this realization that uh, creating shared value is what's important. So he's he's made this uh, progress towards that thinking, which is much more, basically, it's what Deming was saying 20 years ago when I took that course with him. Mm -hmm. So he's finally coming around to it. But he's he's not really talking about, as I said, some of the environmental issues associated with that or even the bigger picture of uh, how do we create a prosperous planet for, for 9 to 10 billion people, um, you know, in 30 or 40 years, uh, and what's going to happen with energy and other resources and that sort of thing. So I think it's a matter of awareness more than anything else. The journey is happening, but the awareness isn't there. And I, I was dumbfounded because, to me, if you want to talk about competitiveness in the 21st century, these are the issues. And, right. Uh, so I think it's a matter of just, uh, you know, truth be told, there's a trend part to this. There's a trend angle to this. And if you, there's actually a Harvard Business School green website that's basically been dormant since 2008 or 2009 when we get a price on carbon. But they were already and fu- fully ready to go on um, yeah. Harvard Business School green. So I do think there's a sense of uh, things are waiting to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Right, right. Well, it, it 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 is it is fascinating fascinating to me, sort of the 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 how companies run the gamut. I met with with some people this week who are a B two B company who they they can't understand what's going on, how they actually 
embark upon a sustainability program, for instance, just as a company. And this, you know, this is going back to sort of the basics of a company. But when you start talking about U.S. competitiveness and you, you talk about the future of our economy and um, not paying attention or not taking seriously sustainability, that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation and a very serious one. What what specifically do you see as the role of sustainability and U.S. competitiveness? Um, uh, I think that, well, when you say specifically, I guess I would say that to me it has to be the core organizing principle around it. It, mm. it is first and foremost about efficient use of resources, but it's also about um, the framing of thinking. I mean, I think that, you know, right now we use a certain framing of thinking to talk about sustainability and uh, I, I would challenge it because I think, uh, you know, the triple bottom line is often used as a way of saying, you know, we've been focusing only on one bottom line. It's called profits. Now we have to think about people and the planet as well. I agree that we have to be thinking about people and planet and profits, but I don't think we need to think of them as separate bottom lines because once we do that, it becomes, well, you know, my profit is is hurting in this market right now. I can't afford to give some of that up in order to address people and the planet. So I think the idea of a systems approach is that it's a false choice between people, planet, and profit. And it's mm -hmm. actually, uh, you know, and you say, well, give me specifics. I think what you have to look at is companies that have actually done this and have shown that this isn't just talk. Transformation is possible. Uh, you can redefine uh, you know, your marketplace and redefine leadership and business if, if you choose uh, you know, that path. And again, uh, you know, I refer to Ray Anderson, but that's a great example of a company that would, couldn't imagine that it could be restorative to the environment, couldn't imagine that it wouldn't want to just do what it would have to do in, ter in terms of meeting regulation. Uh, but it, they did. I mean, he mm -hmm. did, and and it made it made business sense. It made people sense, and it certainly made environment sense. But it wasn't done in a way of saying, "Well, we're going to make a little less profit in order to make a little more for the planet and and the people." So I think that uh, for me, it has to be a transformation in the way of thinking. Right. Right. And then it's, of course, person by person. But I think that when you, you know, particularly when you go to these conferences and you and you're around people who are making these decisions and you hear from other people who are moving the needle, hopefully that will have a trickle down effect in terms of this transformation of thinking, because it, you know, it, it does have to happen. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, in order to do this transformation, you need a lot of tools. And there are a lot of people out there providing uh, very uh, important tools, whether those tools are about, you know, supply chain management, uh, closed loop uh, resource management and recycling, uh, new ways of thinking about uh, mobility and transportation, uh, moving goods and services and people. Uh, you know, they're great examples of, of, of companies that are doing some things really well on this. But mm -hmm. I do think that ultimately has to be driven by this is, you know, this is our core strategy. This right. Is a part of who we are as a business. Right. And then you have when when even when you use those examples though like it's silos come to my come to mind because mm -hmm. you have certain business units that are dealing with transportation issues and you have certain business units that are dealing with energy within the confines of the company. So the real the real challenge is how do you get those business units to actually work together in a systems way because they're inherently dealing with different issues on a daily basis. Yeah, exactly. And this is where, I mean, last year, Business Climate 2011, we had a, one of the panels that we had was on co-creation. 
And yeah, this this book, uh, Francisco Yar co-authored a book called Power of Co-Creation, and it wasn't done with any eye to sustainability. It was done with an eye to how do we make our, our companies more productive, and how do we make them, you know, more profitable, and how do we uh, make them more innovative. And it's about bringing people from those different silos together to mm-hmm. figure out you know, how they can you know, do everything for the company better. So I do think that, that that's a very important uh, piece here is the, how do you get out of the silos and make the links. And that's, you know, the role of a chief sustainability officer, I think, primarily uh, is, the, is the dot connector and is the person who, I mean, they aren't, to me, the person ultimately responsible for sustainability, that is the, the, the CEO of the company, if, if they choose that as, as the core of the strategy. But what a, a chief sustainability officer can be is that person that helps this co-creation happen. Right. So to seize what's going on in these different silos and say, hey, you know what, let's all you know, come together over here and talk about those things and maybe we can learn from each other. Right, right. Uh, Absolutely. So, so we talked about um, the... The, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the hour that we were going to be talking about, and let, just uh, to rewind here a little bit, we're speaking with Andrew McKeon, and he is the founder of Business Climate, just in a nutshell. Um, the arc of sustainability and how it's moving from the traditional CSR, which is the corporate social responsibility role, to the competitiveness issue, which we've talked about. But then it's also gone to national security. And let's 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 talk about that. That is a huge piece of this. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about um you know, we're talking about for business climate twenty twelve, this idea of clusters of innovation and where is innovation coming from, how does innovation form? And I was thinking maybe one of the clusters is a military industrial complex. I mean, we we all think of that as sort of uh, not a good thing and even President Eisenhower warned against it. But one of the things that's coming out of the Pentagon, working with companies like Lockheed Martin and so on, is this idea that um, uh, we have to be thinking differently about uh, you know, our national strategy. We have to be thinking differently about why we send our uh, you know, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters uh, around the world to, do, uh, you know, to fight over issues that are related to uh, commodities like oil. We have to think differently about what climate change could do to, to create failed states that would require uh, intervention and, and, and all the suffering that would ensue from the failed state. So, so this way of looking at it is coming from the military. They're seeing you know, the military is a cluster of innovation from the standpoint of they're very forward-looking. They have a long-term orientation. Uh, they're setting very aggressive goals around sustainability right now. This idea of a, maybe it's going to have a green fleet that goes around the Pacific, around Hawaii. I think it's in 2016 where it's going to mm-hmm. be all powered by green fuels, including the jet fuels will be green. There will be a nuclear uh, a nuclear. Um, Aircraft carrier involved, and the and the battleships will be uh, biofuel based. So, point is, they're looking very very forward. So, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff about two years ago uh, commissioned uh, one of one of his uh, people to look at. Uh, a national strategy or a national strategic narrative for the next 40 years. If you look at the Cold War from the 50s through the 90s, that was a 40-year period where we had one strategy, and that was containment of you know, communism, basically. Mm-hmm. And in the last 20 years, we really haven't had much of a strategy. We've been you know, fighting all kinds of different uh, uh, wars, and, and, and we have this you know, global war on terror, but there is no national strategy around what what we as a country are becoming over the next you know half half century so he he asked uh, uh, um, Wayne Porter 
and Mark Mickleby to, to sort of go away, think about this, and come back. And what they did was they came up with uh, something called the National Strategic Narrative for the next 40 years. And basically what they're saying is we have to make sustainability the core organizing principle of American society over the next 40 years. No choice. We have to think about you know, communities and regions and how, how, how we develop them and grow them. And if you look at the way we've developed the interstate highway system, a lot of people say, well, that was basically the automobile industry wanting to kill mass transit in order to sell a lot of cars. But another part of that was part of this containment strategy. I mean, with the Soviet Union having nuclear warheads pointed at our major cities, there was a, a national strategy to say, can we de depopulate our cities? Can we create populations across the country so that if we take out the big cities, we don't take out like 90% of our population? So that whole interstate highway system was part of that national strategic, uh, national strategic narrative over the last 40 years. That, that, that has a lot of consequences and outcomes that we're, we're feeling now in terms of dependency on oil. Everyone has to have a car, suburban sprawl, all of that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that is really having to be rethought around this new strategy, which is can we make communities that are organized around uh, you know, energy efficiency in buildings, uh, clean uh, and sustainable mobility, um, also how we grow food. I mean, one of the greatest un un told story crises is the loss of topsoil uh, in the way that agriculture happens today. So a way of uh, no-till agriculture is being part of uh, you know, the future of our nation because it's one of our great resources is our topsoil. We're losing it. And then finally, um, it's about uh, taxing. How do we tax uh, our uh, you know, system, our economic system, in order to promote sustainability. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I think this is very exciting. Uh, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to supporting that initiative. It's now, uh, you know, w working uh, sort of at a policy stage and policy being formulated around it. And the hope is that uh, that policy will then inform the next presidential administration to. Uh, to take this on. So it's very interesting to see, you know, tree huggers carrying, uh, you know, in, in battle fatigues with rifles and you know, all the rest of that. This is, this is a new uh, sustainability person. Is this, uh, you know, having said all that, I have to say that um, Mark Mickleby was on a panel that I moderated at the Sustainable Operations Summit, and he said something that was very powerful. He said, we cannot rely on the military to tell us how, as a society, we ought to be. He said, it's our responsibility as a civil society to do this. The, but unfortunately, the leadership is coming from the military because civil society is not taking the leadership on this. But he said, once we look to the military for our answers and we look to the military as the example, and that's it, and that we don't take the responsibility in civil society, he said, we're two steps behind being a, a country like Pakistan, which right. basically is controlled by their military. So as much as I uh, see the military as being a great exemplar of, of the future of what we need to be and, and a forward-looking and, and long-term orientation, it's our responsibility to be that as a civil society rather than depending on the military to show that leadership. Mm -hmm. so, and I'm not, I'm not sure I want to know the answer to this, but this begs the question of, um, are, we, are we too far gone as a society in the U.S., though, to actually implement real changes? You know, I don't, I don't think we are. I think that, um, you know, one of the things that's changing uh, is the way people communicate. And I think younger people being connected through technologies that allow them to organize and allow them to uh, – young people do get these issues a lot more uh, deeply 
than, mm-hmm. than maybe older folks do because they realize it's you know it's their planet and it's their kids' planet that's going to be left to them. So I do believe that there's a power uh, through through uh, social media and other things that are helping uh, people organize around these issues. Even I mean the power of that uh, you know the um, Occupy Wall Street and, and, and organizations like that. It's been a global force mm-hmm. uh, organized through this. So, so I, I mean, I'm no uh, predictor of, uh, of traits in terms of uh, human activity like that, but I have to say that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of challenges, but I think there's a, there's a lot of smart people and there's a lot of change going on. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic, I guess. I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't optimistic about it. Right, right, and and I and I share I share your optimism. Um, I, I just occasionally have some conversations with people where the, it's just not something that's in their purview. They're not thinking about sustainability, and it's just that 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 uh, our jobs are to somehow create a dialogue with them that is resonating, so that yeah. these conversations will actually end up doing something and moving the needle, as opposed to just you know just having it having it just just having the conversation and not actually having action follow so i think you know, that it, you know yeah yeah i was going to say that i think uh, you know we shouldn't even have to be educating sort of the business leaders about this i think business leaders back in the day would have known that these trends are there and would be acting on them they wouldn't be worried mm-hmm. so much about again the short term result as much as how is this going to affect you know my company um, so there has been this change over the last 30 to 40 years to an orientation, to short-termism, to uh, quick buckism, frankly. And, mm-hmm. and that is, I would say, relatively short, last 30 or 40 years. That's w- mm-hmm. what I think is being changed by understanding these issues, but I think that's what definitely has to change. Right. And, um, you know, again, back to the Deming example, this was, he was talking about great companies that took the long-term view, that saw the value in understanding companies from a systems perspective, and that has been dwarfed. Business schools are, are highly responsible for this, has been dwarfed by this orientation. Like I learned in the uh, leverage buyout class, you know, how right. can you make, how can you squeeze the last dollar out of this thing and sell it to someone else? So, so yeah, we're in a world that that, that, that makes that conversation difficult because of the, the way people think. But I, I do think that that's changing, and uh, you know, we're part of, we're part of that change. Right. Wow. Well, this is a terrific conversation. Thank you, Andrew, for for joining me. I you know, could talk for, as you know, we both yeah. could talk for another hour, but this at least scratches the surface for people. And, um, and we'll get you back on and t- we'll talk more about this because this is such important, um, important stuff. So uh, I appreciate it. appreciate the opportunity and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. 